off like you're home alone. You know, dance in front of your mirror while you're on the phone. Check in your reflection and telling your friend, like, girl, I think my butt's getting big. It's getting hot in here. So hot. So take off. Take all off your- all your There we go. <laughs> I am getting so hot. I'm going to take my clothes off. No. We're not. It's we're one not. of your weaker. It's, yeah. It's not Nelly. Like, well, I mean, see, normally you add a little flair. Yeah. You, you bring a little something. But this. It, you can't it, stop. It, Nelly is always Nelly. Like, yeah, exactly. You can't stop. There's no improving on Nelly. This is years ago. Kate, Kate, my wife Kate and I are on uh, an airplane. And I, I tend to ask questions uh while i'm with my wife that don't have any context i do this with you guys every now and again i just ask yeah, a question that, that comes out of the blue there's not and i just looked at her and i was like what do you think nelly's doing you think he's okay <laughs> you do that all the time and just want the random person you'll just like yeah i want to know like i want to i want to make sure they're okay <laughs> how do you think sam neal is today should we yeah. call yeah i want to i want to know and I said, I was like, hey, how do you think Nelly's doing? And she's just like, I hate you. <laughs> and yeah. I, was, I, said, I said to her, I was like, I bet he does quinceañeras now. Like, I bet, like, <laughs> like quinceañeras and bat mitzvahs, like, Nelly is available. Wow. And she's, she's, she says again, like, I hate you. And I was like, it's getting hot in here. Oh, my God. Happy 15th, Maria. Way to make it to 15, mommy. So oh. I'm going to take my clothes <laughs> Yeah. Oh my yeah. Oh my God. There it is. Welcome to the Continue Podcast, everybody. Hello wow. once again. This is episode 25. My name is Anthony John Agnello. And with me are my co-hosts, Susan Arndt. It's not my fault. Yes, it is. That so many people who attended my park got eaten. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. This is a yeah. follow-up to our last episode. Susan it is. was talking about playing uh, Jurassic, Jurassic Park World Evolution. Yeah, Dr- I keep I keep wanting to say Jurassic Park pro- uh, Project Genesis, and yeah. I know that that's the old one. Yeah. So everyone's dead. No, 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 no. Only like ten people. No, no, no. So, so <laughs> only ten. Well, okay, but wait. Okay, so here's the thing. Uh, once you get to a certain, the way the game progresses is. The three different uh, uh, functions of the park, security, entertainment, and science, the the heads of those departments will come to you and ask you to do certain things, and that's how you advance the game. You have missions for each of the five islands. Mm -hmm. So once you get to have, you have completed a certain number of those missions and you get to a certain point, uh, there are saboteurs in your park. Dennis There's Nedry, like corporate. No. Dennis yeah. There's co- and so uh in a combination with that there a I'm on an island right now where tropical storms hit and they will wreck things. It'll mm. damage buildings or bring down fences or what have you. In addition to that, Nedry motherfucker. Uh <laughs> Wait, it's actually Dennis Nedry? I'm imagining it is. It's not this it's is, not actually Dennis it's Nedry? Not, no, it's not. It's not. It's not all right. We've got Dotson. He's just shouting about Dotson the whole time. Dotson! Dotson here! Uh, he pulled down fences in my carnivore pen. So, how many of them? Six, I think? Six of them 
got out into the park. Oh, no. <gasps> yeah. That's bad times. So, there was there was some running and screaming. So, that happened. Uh, but, and then, uh, another saboteur didn't like how I'm running the park and poisoned three of my dinos. Oh, you had the same situation that... Uh... Elon Musk's having over at Tesla. I was going to say, you got Musk. You got Musk. (laughs) (laughs) They came in. They were like, we're shutting this whole operation down. Yeah. So uh, I I apologize to visitors to the park. We will be sending a voucher. (laughs) (laughs) You get a free meal. You get a free dino burger. No, it's it's 20% off. Exactly. Like free. Bitch. No, but but a a nice, respectful discount. (laughs) I like that. For your loss. For your loss. <laughs> <laughs> They'd be like, but we can clone your your dead loved ones. We can take care. We can bring them back. And then you're like, no, like we can't. I lied. like 75% accurate. The yeah. It's- They'd be okay. <laughs> we, here, we, we offer amber services. You needed to take your loved one's remains. We need to douse them in a rich sap. Yeah. <laughs> because I, like, that's the only way our scientists totally. yeah. know how to do it. We're going to fill in like a little bit with shrimp DNA. Don't worry about it's it. Gonna it's going to be fine. fine. <laughs> it's going to be fine. If they start laying eggs, you call though. You call yeah, you, you, immediately. Yeah, as soon as they... Number at when, the bottom. when it picks up, just press nine. Don't wait to hear the options. Press nine. <laughs> Say my shrimp husband is laying <laughs> eggs in the living room again. We gotta get it on My Shrimp Husband. That's the name of the podcast episode. Yep. Yep. Uh, We also have Staff Roberts, Dave Roberts. Uh, hi. (laughs) (laughs) So, speaking of Shrimp Husbands, I I read a really interesting uh, Twitter thread today that was basically talking about how, like, lobsters made a deal with the devil for immortality, but the devil always wins. That, like, so lobsters can't, like, they they can't die of old age because yeah. the way that their DNA works, like, I didn't know this, that, like, human DNA is, it's basically encoded in our DNA to, like, entropy to die because, like, each time that the DNA splits, you lose a little bit right. of this chemical until you just don't have enough of it anymore and you die. Lobsters, because of the way that they regrow their exoskeleton... They just keep making that chemical, but the problem is, is that they get huge. Yes, they do. And like a hundred, like they, there's a picture of like a hundred fifty year old lobster. That's just it's like like the the great like get me some garlic butter and we're talking. <laughs> uh, but the problem is, is that like they get so big that they can't break out of their exoskeleton anymore, and it just fills up with bacteria. Yeah, they turn they it. They move. turn. They turn into rocks. It's why like yeah. When you see, like, this is, this is really bad, but, like, when you go to, like, a place in the, the American Northeast, it's like, we used to have lobster, and they always have, like, a giant bastard in a yeah. case in front that's not there for eating. He's not there for eating because he's displayed, he's, like, two or three hundred years old, and he just is there to be slow, and, yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Being a crustacean's the goddamn worst. Yeah, it's just like, man, like it's what you read. You read that thread, and you're like, science is fucked up, but it's kind of cool. Oh, it's yeah. super awesome. It's super. Have you guys ever read anything about the closed ecosystem discovered in Israel about 15 years ago? 
No. Oh, this is awesome. They're... Oh, I, I vaguely remember this. So one of the, you know, places off the Dead Sea where the Dead Sea Scrolls were discovered, that cave system, uh, archaeologists continued to plumb further in and found a sealed chamber that had its own chamber ecosystem. It had been closed, but received enough oxygen and water over thousands of years that there are things that live in there that live nowhere else. Oh, that's so cool. And so there is a time... I realize that we've already like done shrimp spouses, but here's another <laughs> phrase that you can enjoy today. But there were furry lobsters in there. Fur lobsters existed inside this cave that are albinos of because course. they don't need to have any kind of pigmentation whatsoever right. and no eyes because they live in a cave. So take the Horda from Star Trek. Deep cut. Very nice. Make it furry and kind of cute until you look at it too closely. And that's a real thing. That's a real that's, that's a real, great. Yeah, I'm into it. It's awesome. The world yeah. is a terrifying, disgusting place. And it's... that is why we host this podcast for you. <laughs> hi, hi, everybody. How you doing? Somebody up? needs to make this all okay for everybody. Exactly. Uh, I actually, you know, <clears throat> speaking, speaking of tropical realms and, and little beasties living under the sea, I actually played one thing this week. A couple of good friends and I were texting back and forth. Oh, and God. I was this talking was... about... Talking about Star Tropics, as of I you were. as I tend to talk, I talk about Star Tropics with alarming frequency. I know you do. And I I said to them, like Star Tropics isn't that hard. I could beat Star Tropics if I was filled with absinthe. And my one friend is like, I'd like to see you try. Don't ever say to me that you would like to see me try, because I probably will end up trying that's for all of our listeners now that you're like marty mcfly when someone calls him chicken yes exactly <laughs> if flea pulls up next to me in a monster <laughs> truck and calls me chicken i will automatically be goaded into doing whatever he says so i sat down poured myself a delicious anise based beverage <laughs> and <laughs> and got to work and I, thankfully, I should have streamed this, although I did. Susan, did you enjoy the tweet the tweet uh, document of Star it Tropics? Was, it was something to behold. It was something to be... I let, I let the world know how it went. And I, I discovered, like, thank God that I can still get through this game. People think of Star Tropics as being an incredibly difficult game. And in fairness to that perspective, Star Tropics plays almost like you know how people for summer games done quick and stuff like that will be playing classic games that are speed run but they do it under bizarre conditions do it blindfolded yeah. do it yeah like the guy yeah the guy who beat punch out blindfolded right yeah star tropics feels like somebody tried to make zelda but they were already under weird conditions they were like what if i <laughs> tried to make zelda but I was blindfolded while I was making it instead of playing it. And it often feels like that. It's very rigid and it's very unforgiving. But as long as you know it and you know its weird rhythms, you can just sort of dive right in and play. And so after I finished this, uh, I, I immediately suggested to the public, 
I think I should do this again. I don't know what the next absinthe full run of a game is going to be. But... That's that's going to be like not the slow run. Your 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 claim to fame is going to be the absinthe. The absinthe run. run. The absinthe run is going to be where we go. Uh, and a friend said, "Play Star Tropics 2. And I said, "Absolutely not," because Star Tropics Two is terrible. It's strangely a much better made game. You know, you could just move diagonally when you press a button; it actually does what it's supposed to. It is, for all intents and purposes, a far superior product. But all of the things that are so weird and strange about uh, you know, Star Tropics One are completely absent. They go with like a Bill and Ted thing. You have to travel through time to get pieces of a spaceship, and it, it's really just not interesting. It's like Toe Jam and Earl. It's like Toe Jam and Earl, but without the charm. Like there's no uh, Cleopatra and Leonardo da Vinci will you know crack wise at you, but you're never in a situation. You know, in the original Star Tropics, you'll meet a fortune teller who says, "Hey." Because she, a fortune teller who lives behind a castle in a tropical archipelago that is filled with what looks like Grecian, Grecian dressed warrior women. Not Amazons. They're just like dressed up in like pith helmets and stuff. Then you have to go find a crystal ball in a graveyard that looks like a traditional European graveyard on an island. And then take that crystal ball and then go and get turned into a woman. To infiltrate the castle. It's through magic. Mm -hmm. Right. Strange. Strange, interesting stuff. None of that is in two. So anyway, the, the, the place that I am driving to from this is that the conversation I ended up having with a friend after he made this suggestion of playing Star Tropics 2 for it was him admitting that he has never played any of these Star Tropics games. Mm -hmm. And we start talking about that sort of type of dungeon-crawling action rpg because he has no experience with many of them he's played zelda but he's never played monster boy he's never played alundra he's never played any of these things and so this is a topic that the three of us have returned to numerous times which is getting into something which is just sort of making your entry into a genre into a series and it's tough because the specific cultural moment we live in, most everything is perfectly preserved and you don't have to try too hard to access things. You know, in the past, uh, Susan, I don't want to pick at an open wound, but Fantasy Star. Fantasy Star <laughs> Online 2 isn't accessible to us, but people might hear us talking about Fantasy Star Online 2 and think to themselves... I've never played Fantasy Star. What right. do I do? And that's a situation where no one should go play the original Fantasy Star. Don't... It's it's awful. Even by the standards of the mid-80s, the original Fantasy Star was awful. It's true. It's, it's true. That's not the one to play. It's right. It's tedious. It's like Fantasy Star 2 is always the one that shows up first whenever something gets ported to, to like... Sure. Uh, a new system or whatever. It's or, never the first one. It's never the first one. No. And even Fantasy Star 2 is a bitch of a game. It's just... Four. four if, just go to four. Just go to four. But just that's... Four. That right there, that is <clears throat> tough advice for people to swallow, right? Mm -hmm. When you say to somebody, oh, play four, 
the typical response these days is, oh, well, I got to start at the beginning. Which is, what is the game in X genre or X series that I start with? So I wanted to put it to you two. How, what is your approach personally? When there's something that, that catches your eye, when you get curious, you know, Susan, what was, what was it that put you over the edge to finally try Surviving Mars? Because these sorts of ah. sim games, these sorts yeah. of uh, you know theme park builders, that's not in your wheelhouse. That's not where you no. started. No, and... not. I mean, I played, I played theme park on the 3DO. Uh, that's <laughs> about like honestly, that's that's it mm-hmm. really for about as as much as that. And it was a little broken. Um, it, it's it's such a me concept. Yeah, like it's like you know me. Like put it in space, mm-hmm. and I'll do it. And I, uh, it what like oh the game's in space. I'll play it. And I have to, I have to admit, I'm, I have access to something that most people don't, which is seventeen thousand people on Twitter, where I go, okay, I don't know what I'm doing. Someone please give me advice. And uh, especially that community, mm. the people who enjoy those kinds of games are really helpful. Like you don't get the whole, oh, get good. Oh, I can't believe you don't know how to do this. They recognize how difficult those games are to parse and they are very giving with information. Yeah. Uh, so that was that was very, very helpful to me. So it was just an idea that really appealed to me a lot. And I've, over the, over the past, you know, five or so years, I've had such great experiences moving outside of my comfort zone. Yeah. Playing types of games that I never, would have touched before that's really opened the door for me to say okay this is a genre that i think is overwhelming like i like civ uh but i played polytopia right right so that was a way for me to try that polytopia polytopia yeah (laughs) surviving mars i just love the concept so much that i was i i it was i figured this is my moment you know it's not historical settings it's not you know the fall of the roman empire it's not mechs or like i don't i don't give a shit about mechs i'm sorry mech people i don't care it's hard but like that like that's a perfect example mech thing i think part of what makes mech stuff so Mm -hmm. unappealing is that it's its whole like it's a whole world of weird nonsense yeah and you look at it from the outside and you're like there's like weird dopey anime romance mech stuff and then hardcore oh sim God. mech stuff and it's it's forbidding it's hard to penetrate it is so you have and, and the same is true of these kinds of yeah you know super strategy sims so you have to find your entry point of okay for me it was this genre like it was this it was this plot line like yes getting people to survive on a space colony that's my jam awesome for someone else it might be a price point yeah. all right well i don't know i've never tried it but it's five bucks yeah. right for other people maybe it's as in the the civ polytopia uh thing it's so stripped down you can at least learn the concepts sure. without having to manage 20 other things um like i mean as someone who has been watching doctor who since i was eight i get it there's yeah. a lot of baggage that comes with it. So people ask me all the time, like, where do I start with this? Do I have to go back and watch the first 40 years of it? Like, 
if you want to. That's my answer for, for all of these things. You're not a real Doctor Who fan unless you go and you're one of the people that watches the animated recreations of the lost BBC episodes from 1972. right. right. Oh, I'm sorry. You don't know what happened to Shada and why they didn't finish that particular episode? <laughs> Fine. Okay. I've been that person and I really apologize. Uh, here's the thing. If you, whether it's Doctor Who or Resident Evil or, because that's another franchise with, oh my with God, a ton yeah. Oh, yeah. of baggage. Final Fantasy. Yeah. Metal Gear. <laughs> yeah. Metal Gear. Start wherever appeals to you. Mm-hmm. Wherever you want to if it's something that's very lore heavy there's stuff you can look up online i i know there are people who feel like i have to start at the first one and then go all the way through people you are adding stress to your own lives (laughs) yeah like if you enjoy that journey great but but so often people like no i just have to do it because that's the way it's supposed to be done sweetie take a step back Mm -hmm. remember that this is entertainment this is something you are doing for you yeah yeah. So shape it to your wants and needs. Yeah. It's so it's so strange because I mean all all three of us are people that you know that I I there are many people who listen to our show who did not have a lot of life experience pre-internet. Right. And all three of us do. We we knew what it was like to be fans of things and critically interested in things pre-internet. And at the time, you didn't have an option but to dive in. Uh, I will say, though, that a willingness to just dive into things is... It often is beneficial to your experience of the thing. Like Susan was just saying, you know, this is this is about what you're doing to enrich your life. Use your free time. Release stress. You know, these are things that you should be doing... Just because it, it it feels good, it makes your life better. If you're getting stressed by thinking, "Oh, I," you know, it's giving me an automatic backlog. Screw that. And yeah. also, <clears throat> you know, even with lore dense things, I think to myself, we talked last episode about sort of the experience of things that are mysterious again, mm-hmm. and a dearth of mystery in just the act of consuming media at this point because. Every detail is broadcast as part of the marketing for these things. You know, right. there's no longer a movie or TV show or a video game that isn't preceded by literal years of dissection and exposure mm-hmm. of the innermost parts of this thing. Panels at Comic-Con. Panels at Comic-Con. Yeah. But before yeah. before a, a screen is shot of anything... You'll have a panel at Comic-Con. You're like, here are these storyboards. Here are the costumes, etc. Here's the transmedia universe that we are building for. And (laughs) the best thing you can do, some of the richest experiences I've ever had with fiction, especially, were where I I dove in completely unfamiliar with the lore Mm -hmm. in the middle Mm -hmm. of the story, and you you want to know everything. You want to be like, all right, well... Just because of the way these characters are interacting, I can tell that they have history, and it makes something better to just yeah. start in the middle. You know, can I can I give you a recent example of that? Please, with me? yeah. Uh, so AMC recently recently had a ten episode series called The Terror. Mm. Uh, this is based on real events. Uh, members of the British Navy in the eighteen hundreds were attempting to find a passage through the ice to Canada. Uh, 
Uh, they were they were going to map it. This was a big damn deal. They got stuck in the ice for three years. I did not know any of this. So I go into this. It just, I saw the commercials for it. And I'm like, ah, that looks cool. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and then only once I was watching it, learned that this is based in reality. And then I, did, I could have at any point during the show, just gone to Wikipedia mm-hmm. and looked it up. But I didn't. I'm like, no, let me, you know, let it present the drama to me and let it, let it tell its version of this story. And then I'll go read about what we actually know happened. Mm-hmm. And that could be a, a really great way to enhance, because I feel like it, it, it's not nearly as satisfying the other way around. Like if I knew the history and then watched the show. Well, cause then you'd just be nitpicking. You'd be like, Oh, that's right. wrong. Right. Oh, that's wrong. That's not right. Right. Um, I think a lot of it is context too. Like I wouldn't tell someone to watch season three, episode two of game of Thrones, just, just to do that, like, hey, this is a really good episode of Game of Thrones, because that entire show is built on the knowledge that, you, like, the, the relationships you build with those characters, the knowledge that you have going forward, you are meant to watch that show in sequence. Star Trek? Whatever. It's 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 a genre show, it's yep. everything is self-contained. Like, even something like Metal Gear, which is, like, super lore-heavy... I would say that you could... You can like, play be, every single one, you still won't know what's going on, so well, it's fine. no. No, but like because like like Metal Gear Solid Two does not directly follow the events of Metal Gear. It's not like Solid Snake at the end of Metal Gear Solid One was like, "Yep, we just left this army base, and now here's another thing that's happening directly after." It's like years removed. Things have happened in between that space. You can come into Metal Gear Solid Two not having played the first one, and if if the storytelling, if the storyteller is good enough, they will fill those gaps in for you. And I think that video games, because of the way that they're built, like, over a longer stretch of time, because they're harder to digest than movies, they're not as short, that they have done a better job of being like, oh, okay, well, other than, like, Kingdom Hearts. uh, (laughs) Oh, like, you haven't played any of these other games in the series? Well, here, look, this game... People, fans will have it. Will will get the references and they'll enjoy it, but new players will still find something to like because we can tell a self-contained story yeah. and the gameplay is still good. So, do you think that's also partly because, unlike movies, video games fall prey to format so quickly? Yeah. You know, if your game, God bless you, if your game was on, I don't mm-hmm. know, Genesis. Yeah. Or, or the Jaguar or something like that. Yeah. The likelihood that your PS4 owner is going to have access to it or or want to. Yeah. You can't which, count on that at all. It's, it's why is, you've never seen you know so many people over the years have tried to really make that keeping your save file, keeping your personal story thing they've tried to make it work in games and it's never taken hold you know as long as far go as far back as freaking sonic and knuckles on <laughs> sega genesis continuing Got your that save lock file. on cartridge right your lock on cartridge to continue your game from sonic 3 all the way to you know mass effect in 2007 and mm. then you know the telltale series and all of them you know, even Telltale's games, Telltale's games aren't perfect. 
I I have had to restart The Walking Dead or The Wolf Among Us so many times because their goddamn save file technology yeah. is so deeply flawed. So I, I, I absolutely think you're right, Susan. Yeah, like the, the nature of format has forced designers to be a little bit more uh, lenient when it comes to yeah. keeping people out. That said, I, you know, I, I look at some classic examples of sustained narrative in games. Uh, did either of you guys ever play Quest for Glory back in the day? Like, mm -hmm. really early? I played the fifth one. I, I, ne I never quite... Is, is five Quest a weird 3D one? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, that's... that's really... I never quite grokked uh quest for glory quite like it did king's quest because it was a little too rpg -y yeah it's a lot in addition more of to RPG. the point and click adventure stuff really weird hybrid going on there between you know the point and click and and role-playing elements way back in the 90s but those were you know not only are you continuing your personal stats and whatnot in between each games at a very early time but the technology that was used to make them like changed so crazily just on a pc between 1989 and 1995 but even then they, they didn't make any concessions for people when you started up it's like and i feel like even when it, a game does do that Take Metal Gear Solid 4 instead of Metal Gear Solid 2, Dave. Metal Gear Solid 4, a shit show of a game that makes no accommodations yeah. for anyone. I think it still gains something for not making concessions to people. Like, it's it's kind of... There's a pleasure inherent in just sort of being thrown into the deep end of lore. Although, I can imagine that some people don't enjoy that very much. Dave, I just... Like, ultimately, it just feels like... Like Susan said, it's entertainment. Yeah. So just like, like you know, the the song from MST3K. Just relax. <laughs> relax and enjoy it's the just show. A, it's it's just a show. Just really, really, just relax. Yeah. It's fine. Every single time, I know. God, not we need our own acronym for not to bring up Yakuza again, but on this show, <laughs> seriously, not to bring up Yakuza again, but but I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Every single time somebody says. Uh, which Yakuza should I start with? Any I, of them. I, yeah, any of them. The answer is always any of them. Because it, like, who cares? They'll tell you. They'll tell you what's going on. And if they don't, you'll figure it out. Yeah, the good guys are good. The bad guys are bad. It's fine. Yeah. Like, Dave, what's a yeah. really good experience you've had sort of jumping in to the middle of the stream of a series? Well, I mean, uh, to go back to the M uh, MST3K, my first experience with that show was the movie. Mm. Oh, no oh, kidding! Wow. Really? Yeah, and like, uh, just a friend of mine had it, and we watched it, uh, and I was like, oh, this is great! And then I found out that it was a show, there were like all these tapes, like Blockbuster had a bunch of them, uh, and yeah, and I think that like that show act like, actually benefits from the way that they released the home versions of mm. that show because they've never released them seasons. Even now, like uh, shout is handling the DVDs. They release them in bundles of four movies mm. and the movies are from all over the place. Like they're never yeah. in order. 
And I think that that's like that's to its benefit because like they uh, there was a point when they had to start building lore just because like the Sci-Fi Channel wanted them to have a narrative. <laughs> yeah. When when they when they got dropped from Comedy Central, but like none of that stuff matters. Not and, even like, a little. And bit, that, no. like once you get past that point, you're just like, oh, I can just jump anywhere. Like I, because th- there have been times in my head where I'm like, what if I sat down and watched this show? Because I have, uh, you circulate the tapes. I have all of them on a hard drive, uh, it, hooked up to my Xbox. I could sit down and watch every episode from season one all the way up to well, season eleven now that it's on Netflix. But that doesn't sound fun to me. It sounds really boring. And I don't know what I would get from that, other than, like, some running jokes. Uh, But even then, it's like, you watch enough of the show, you sort of absorb it by osmosis. The only other thing you can get from something like that is, it's not even about the show, it's noticing... How the changes they made as they figured out what they were doing. Yeah. Like if you watch Star Trek The Next Generation from the very first episode, Encounter at Farpoint, and go all the way uh, forward, man, that first season sucks. Every, everybody in Encounter at Farpoint literally looks like they have to take a crap. Everyone, isn't, that when they were, isn't that when they were wearing like short shorts? Like all of the characters? <laughs> you know, had, like, yeah. It, the, yeah, it was... The costumes are terrible. The yeah. makeup is bad. Uh, they haven't figured out their characters yet. And so it's not until... And, and this happens with MST3K also. Yeah. The first ones, when they had no money, and it was just a really fun, goofy idea, you can tell. And also, like, the first host, Joel, very, very different style, very yeah. different delivery than, than Mike. Yeah, it looks so, like the first season was... Like ninety five percent improv, I uh-huh. want to say, yeah. which is why like half of the jokes don't land. Exactly. <laughs> so, exactly. And then the second season, like, oh, maybe we should write, we should like actually pitch stuff. Yeah, they so, took their, they took the 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 process that they did in season one, and they did it before they taped. So yeah. they would they would do that. They just sit in the room and they would just riff and riff and riff, and then they would they would go back and like, okay, which of these jokes are actually funny, and then that's what they would take into the actual show for for the for the seasons going forward man i just realized this is the it was last month was the 20th anniversary of mst3k the movie oh was it really yeah oh, oh yeah that's right i'm so old 98 oh my God. it was that that and truman show opened the same week wow. i went theater hopping for that Yikes. it was awesome <laughs> There's a really there's a really easy I feel sort of rule that you can follow with TNG which is if your fa- if your frakes is shaved yep. stay away. That's absolutely true. If your frakes is bearded you're in the clear. It's that's just yeah. You, that, you need to find a way to make that rhyme better but yeah. that, cuz that sounds like uh, yeah, it's, it's, wait, it's wait, close wait. it's close to <laughs> Frakes with a beard never fear. Yeah. Frakes with no with no beard Better stay clear. Yeah, there it is. Yeah, there there it is. That's what. That's literally what it's gonna say on my stu- gotcha. tombstone. That's gonna be my epitaph. <laughs> right there for Frakes. That is, uh, you know, Star Trek is integral to this conversation. Uh, I, I think Susan and I are the type of people 
that have been asked many times, how do I even watch Star Trek? And I'm not even like a Star Trek super fan. I, I just, I, I, I'm the person who, you know, I, it's always in the periphery of my existence. I'm always, it's always there. And I know Dave, that you're sort of a Star Trek outsider. You're, you're, it's never been your. I'm a Fairweather fan. Yeah. You're Fairweather. You show up. Yeah, you show up for sh- when the farmer from Babe has to get drunk and he's, fly a spaceship. He's a, he's a Christmas Easter. The Christmas yeah, Easter yeah. Star Trek. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Whereas, I, I like I like when when Patrick Stewart shouts, "The line must be drawn here," and then throws the sh- yeah. shit. That's uh, that's what it's all it's about. Yeah. yeah, I like it when that's when, a good when movie. Michael Dorn goes assimilate this. <laughs> so good. It's such like, a good movie. I I am. I think I'm the type of Star Trek fan that Star Trek fans fucking hate because I'm the guy that sits there and it's like my favorite captain, Cisco. Dog. Yes! Cisco. Cisco's great, Ooh. though. Yeah, no, nobody, no. Everybody. Oh, I, That yeah. might have been a controversial opinion like 20 years ago. And... No, every single time I say that Cisco is my favorite now. And we've talked in a previous incarnation of this show that I only recently came to Deep Space Nine in the past yeah. couple of years. Yeah. But, like, I, I, every time I tell somebody that, the answer I get in response is, of course he's your favorite. Well, no, but that's true. Because yeah. Anthony can't like the thing everybody else likes. No, I just, I like how, uh, like, there's a... The tradition of Star Trek overacting... Like, go all the way back to original series. You're not wrong. There's an episode called Spock's Brain. Oh my god. Which is, which is widely considered sort of the death of the original series. Like, that's the one where people <laughs> look at it and are like, oh shit, this is going downhill fast. <laughs> and there yeah. is an extended five-minute scene of McCoy operating, like, doing open brain surgery on Spock, and the camera is just on poor DeForest Kelly's yeah. face yeah. and the overacting there is amazing it's amazing alright this is an audio format I apologize listener but we have backers here who are watching this right now and they get to see DeForest Kelly faces where it's like <laughs> <laughs> it's awesome it's so great like he looks <laughs> DeForest Kelly looks like he's imitating Beetlejuice during this scene <laughs> and that looks like the most restrained David Mamet-esque performance compared to any episode of Deep Space Nine with Cisco. It's true. Cisco never sounds like a human being. Not even once. And now, what we're going to do- Oh no! Come in here and immediately tell me what has been going on in the book. I love that I guy f- so I much. feel like- at some point, he his wires got crossed, and he thought he was doing Shakespeare in the Park. Yes. Instead of instead of Star Trek, because that every hey Jake, my dearest son, here, tell me of your day at school. Yes. I want to know everything. Jake, That's- you said we were going to go camping tonight. Now you. Telling me you're interested in girls? That's a real episode. But how will you learn to cook my face? <laughs> it's just, it's true. Oh, it's, it's amazing. 
So anyway, I am obviously the type of person who would tell you to start watching Star Trek with Deep Space Nine. Just go whole hog, dive in, get get weird. Uh, Full face of Ferengi. Yeah, just go 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 in there, uh, Susan. I I'm gonna. Would you say TNG or original? Absolutely TNG. Absolutely TNG. Absolutely yeah. TNG. Um, just because, although the OG Star Trek uh, has some very very pivotal episodes. Yeah. It is also very much reflective of its time. It is. And it's, it's, it, it was groundbreaking because it was tackling subjects that nobody wanted to talk about openly, mm-hmm. like racism. You know, you've got that, that one classic episode where the, the aliens are literally half black, half white, but on opposite sides of their face. And, and that. So it, it is an incredibly important show. But the concepts that were new in it that you would like in other kinds of situations you would want to go back to that original to lay down the concepts you already know yeah it's a spaceship mm-hmm. full of people who have different jobs go you know like that's got it so you can start with with next generation honestly skip to season two yeah just start with season two just start with season two because season one's bad it's, it's not bad isn't yeah. that like isn't and was season two when roddenberry kind of yeah, the yeah. When when he was more or less kicked the hell out, yeah, mm. yeah, that was you know, un, un unsavory, and it's it's weird too. If you go back to the original series, like I I think that people say, like, oh, the original series, much like Star Trek: The Next Generation, you know, had to find its voice before it gets started, and that's kind of dishonest about the original series. Like the original yeah. series is, the first season is hard 1950s mm-hmm. 60s sci-fi yeah it is it, the, the you know sort of what people think of as the campy jokey actiony romance centric star trek does not emerge until later these are all like the first season is all like harlan ellison scripts yep. and they're dense and strange and alienating and if you're into that it's fascinating <laughs> well and, but yes but, but, uh, and this this problem continues into next generation. Uh, honestly, it's hard to watch how sexist it is. Oh boy, it's freaking howdy! Genuinely, diff- like I grew up watching that with my dad. I will always have a great fondness in my heart for OG Star Trek. I literally can't watch it. Yeah, it's yeah. Ba- like as bad as you think it, you think you remember it being. You go back and watch it, and you're like, oh my god! The char- oh. Susan, the character that gets written out, Yeoman... Uh, Rand. Yeoman Rand, thank you. Yeah. Who's a character in the first season, and then sort of vanishes. In the second season, it turns into what people think Star Trek is. It's very yeah. traditionally. But Yeoman Rand is a sort of, you know, DeForest Kelly's companion in the med bay. She becomes Nurse Chapel. She becomes Nurse Chapel. Yeah. But Yeoman Rand is there for every episode to just be like, shut up, stupid woman! You're going... <laughs> you're losing your control of your emotions again! It, <laughs> every episode. Jesus. Yeah. It's... it's, it's, it's and, and, and Uhura, who yeah. was groundbreaking because she was a black woman who was in a, a regular role, which did not exist... Holy shit, the things they make her say. <laughs> it's so it's bad. 
gross. It's yeah. really gross. Like she's coming on to Spock in one episode, and and oh, it like these people are colleagues. They're peers. Yeah. It was a simpler time. It was a disgusting. It's it's a, yeah. it's a something time. It was a something. And the first, the early seasons of Next Generation are. You want to oh, say they're yeah. better, all but you they're... Got, all you got, Troy and and uh, Crusher doing exercises doing, together. Doing their That's ex- all you got to say. Tro- Troy's bridge uniform is somehow pornier than the miniskirts from the 1960s. Wait, which, which one? Which one? The green, the green and black skirt that when she becomes a deck officer, oh, and she, you like really. Yeah, like okay, no. The, right. the first one, she had the super super mini skirt, which was horrifying. Yeah. Then they put her in this jumpsuit and had this jeweled whatever on her yeah, head. Yeah, yeah. And it was terrible. And then they put her in uh, a nearly floor length dress with a scoop neck. That's awesome. And it's beautiful. Yeah. No, I'm talking about the mini skirt. Oh no, that's horrifying. Yeah, I I, I should also make it clear this show was on the air when I was going through puberty, so. Oh Jesus. <laughs> I might. Honestly, I was more of a Dr. Crusher kid. That was my... Well, she's the redhead. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so... All right, wait, wait. All right. So All Anthony's right. Sam Rockwell from Galaxy Quest. We've established that, right? <laughs> Damn it. Damn it. Uh, with number two. Susan, this is a weird question. Star Trek Discovery. Yes. Do you say to anyone, if you're interested in Star Trek, watch Star Trek Discovery? Like, start with Discovery? Right. Because now you're in a a different place with this show. This show is in a different place with itself. You know, I feel like the last time we talked about Star Trek Discovery was sort of right after it had started, and it was only a few episodes in. Right, right. You know, so, you know, where are you at with this thing? Uh, I think you could start with Discovery. Um, There's there's definitely a lot of baggage there in that it makes references that it expects you know Mm -hmm. but i do think it is self-contained enough to its own rules and its own ecosystem that you could start there and 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 be perfectly fine what would be interesting though is uh it has a much different tone Mm. than the other star trek so it might be a little difficult to go from because it's a very serious grim gritty everything is fucked we are in trouble the people and, and the that's the way they describe things on that show it's true explained. it's true and nobody's then, and asking jake to, to learn the jambalaya recipe no. in star trek discovery and the characters are less innately likable like yeah. they do some bad things hmm. uh and that's not the case in something like Next Generation. Next Generation, if a character does a bad thing, that's the point of the episode. Yeah. yeah. Like, what do you mean, Jordy? <laughs> or you're watching, or you're watching a Barkley episode, and it's just, it's Ex- just right, unfortunate. Exactly. <laughs> but just from a just from a jumping in point, like, let me see if I like Star Trek. Yeah, you could, you totally could. Yeah, I, you know, I, I. I think that i would be quicker to recommend the orville to somebody if they want to jump in at this point than than discovery but again i didn't go past how spoilery do we want to get with uh, our discussion of discovery yeah, go right for now? It. yeah we're willing yeah hey, the season's over 
If you're going to watch it, you're going to watch it. Uh, when, I jumped out when it became clear that they were doing the mirror, mirror thing. Mm-hmm. And for anyone listening, the mirror, mirror thing is a, a all the way back to the original Star Trek. They do a, a an evil parallel universe to the universe of the show. There are there's an other realm of all the bad guys, uh, and that's where the I, I think do we get the evil twin always has a goatee thing from Star Trek? Yes. Yeah, that is that is where yep. it all comes from. Spock yep. has a goatee in Evil Universe, yep. and Star Trek Scar <laughs> Eye Patch or goatee. Yes, yeah, every single time. <clears throat> uh, or in Benjamin Sisko's case, you're just the same guy but a dick. Yeah, he already has the goatee. <laughs> but yeah, like Discovery started to pull in all of this, the, the sort of uh, more gritty thriller elements of deep space nine early mm-hmm. on where they they decided that there was going to be reference to this sort of shadowy version of starfleet that's responsible for all the skullduggery and black ops work in the universe and the evil universe and so like all that stuff is there and there is like if you want to become a deep lore fan i suppose the show is a place to start i just had to back away from it because I, I couldn't penetrate the the unlikable nature of the characters. Okay. Like, I had to get out. Does that change? Well, no, because they're... The, the, the one issue that I've always had with Star Trek is that everybody's so goddamn noble. And that's, to be fair, that's part of the aspirational nature of the show, right? Like, Starfleet represents the best of humanity. Mm. This is what we do. This is why I have a Star Trek tattoo. Yeah. It represents what we can do when we put our stupid differences of religion and race and class and all that. When we put all that aside and work together towards a common purpose, we can achieve great things. Everybody's so goddamn noble and perfect and they never get jealous or annoyed or like you know they don't act like real people which makes them very difficult to relate to whereas the cast of discovery they're very relatable you know you've got the one character who has uh, is, is a little weird and she knows it and it makes her anxious and so she talks too much and she she has trouble relating to people because she's weird mm. you've got you know the the couple who the the one is is making some questionable choices and his husband is like i don't like what you're doing honey you know and they talk to each other in a way that a married couple actually does mm. and i like that because i like the idea that real people are going to continue to try to achieve these incredible things. Mm -hmm. And they're just going to do the best they can. Well, and this is like pre sort of space utopia, right? Like, Uh like they're still like working towards that future. So, you know, once you get that space utopia, everything, everyone becomes dishonorable, just super, (laughs) (laughs) just nice and happy. Uh, The whole whole premise of the show uh, of, of, uh, the the main character Michael Burnham is she disobeyed an order 
because she thought what she was doing was right. Yeah. And she was like, look, I feel you, but I need to stop this right now. So she disobeyed an order, and as a result, a whole bunch of people died. Mm. Fuck. But you know what? That's exactly the kind of thing that people would actually do for that reason. Because people are arrogant. And they think they know best and they think they can see all the ramifications and people are hot headed and you know, and that's not the kind of thing you would normally see in a Star Trek property. Yeah. Unless that person was cast out as as the villain. Well, I'm interested to see what becomes of this show because sort of all the stuff that we're talking about it tonally and you know, the way these characters have been developed is kind of up in the air. Because when Star Trek Discovery comes back, it will be without uh, Aaron Harberts and Gretchen Berg, the people who have been running it, uh, yes. who were removed from the show uh, yes. for some questionable behavior. Uh, yes. Susan, I think I think you know more about what they've done than I do. All I know is that uh, that they said some uns- they, they treated the the sh- cast members in unsavory ways. The writers. The, the writers. writers. Okay. Yeah, they would. They treated. Uh, they harangued their writers. They would literally get in their writers' faces and scream. Mm. Uh, it was. It was just a, a really horrible work environment for them. And finally, they were like, "No, get out. You're. You can't treat people like this. This is unacceptable." to us we made the show you know what we'll make it without you we'll figure it out yeah because we need writers we don't need assholes like you thank you very much piss off and that gave me a great deal of hope because it's been and we saw this with the uh, arrested development article that came out there's this kind of tacit exception uh and this happens in game development as well we're going to accept bad behavior so long as the product you end up making is sellable. Yeah, the the the, the long established uh, sort of acceptance of well, artists and people who are in creative pursuits uh, are are under incredibly stressful and abnormal conditions, and they're going to have outsized personalities anyway. So outsized behavior is going to be okay. And yeah, that that certainly no longer seems to be the case. You know, I, I heard not too long ago uh, a comedian uh, whose work I enjoy, Pete Holmes, was talking about how, you know, the more acting he's done, the more he can sort of understand blow ups like the insane legendary blow up of Christian Bale on the set of Terminator Genesis, where you know, some production assistant just kept getting in his sight line yeah. uh, shot after shot after shot. And I, I just encourage, if anybody doesn't know what I'm talking about, please go oh, to YouTube and find it's it. Legend- it's, it's amazing. Like top five blow ups. Good for you. <laughs> Good for you. You're nothing. Like, Chris, you can literally feel Christian Bale's brain trying to escape his skull as this happened. And as I'm listening to this comedian be like, yeah, I know what it's like after a long day on set, you can feel yourself starting to lose that. And I sort of understand that. I'm like, no, you don't, you don't have to treat people like a dirt. All of that said, I can still watch Equilibrium and enjoy it thoroughly. Mm -hmm. 
knowing that <laughs> that a boiling psychotic lies beneath the Christian Bale surface. Well, I, here, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take you. Hold on. As a person who has been on the receiving end of your anger-fueled rants. All right, that's true. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Yeah, right. I, 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 okay, that's fair. I have anger. I have been known <laughs> to administer an anger fueled rant before, and Indeed. and I, I am perfectly willing to admit that I can say things that are perhaps um, more withering than they mean. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the thing. The smarter you are, the better you can you can really just cut a person down. Right, right. Yeah, and, but you know that said, I I like to think that. I've had the the you know, I I've apologized and I don't think that I've ever sort of let that toxicity or at least I've tried not to let that toxicity influence my work or you know the way I treat people in general you know of what I course, mean Of course of course and I'm not here's and I'm just speaking specifically about the Christian Right 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 right, right. The thing the difference here, I think everybody is capable of losing their temper sure. and just snapping. Yeah. However, we're not all... That's a lot of weight. When you are the lead actor right. in something right. like a, a movie like a Terminator, sure. it's a lot of weight on your shoulders. That's a lot of pressure. And I, I, I don't know what that headspace is like. Yeah. Right. All right, that, no, that's fair. Perhaps Christian Bale's a, a bad example. Yeah, but well, like, then, like the thing about Christian Bale too is, as like, were there reports that this has been like a like a regular habitual thing, or was that just like he has a reputation for being a little difficult? Okay, oh, does he? yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, he's a, he has a reputation for being a, a little. I did not know that. Little, okay. little hot. I mean, I mean, maybe he is just, you know, right. like. Here, but I don't. Uh, here's a better one. I, I. Uh, <laughs> Another infamous sort of really like abusive blow up, David O. Russell. David O. Russell yeah. laying into like Lily Tomlin on the set of I Heart Huckabees. Are you familiar with this one, Susan? Mm-mm. Oh, that, oh, that's a like that's another like top five. Wow, it's blow up. It's on it's YouTube. It's, it's it's in video. It's ge- it's genuinely gross too. Like David O. Russell says some horrific things to Lily Tomlin. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah, she's she's having none of it. Uh but that's definitely one where I've walked away from that and I am also not an enormous fan of David O. Russell in the first place. I kind of don't like the pretentious self-seriousness of his movies where you get to the end of American Hustle or Three Kings and then it's just um, like, and everybody behaved questionably, but who cares? It's a happy ending anyway. Here we go. And seeing that sort of treatment of people, I've carried that with me. It's made it difficult for me to uh, watch his movies and forget that that person is on the other side of the mm-hmm, lens. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and that's like, you know, the examples that we're bringing up here, you know, this is emotionally abusive and aggressive behavior that mm-hmm. doesn't drift into the territory of like truly disgusting criminal predatory mm-hmm. behavior 
uh, or you know reprehensible behavior. Like I there I can't enjoy video games by Doug Tenapel anymore, right? Because I right, know about right. Doug Tenapel's politics. I can't read the books of Orson Scott Card anymore. Nope. Because yep. I know that Orson Scott Card is a bad person. Uh, yep. And you know, like there are there are other situations where I am able to still enjoy the work of people who I, I who have done things that are not great. How do you guys approach this, like, Susan? How do you deal with art artist separation? You know, are, I actually, I I think Dave should go first on this because he's such. A, a, a film, yeah, 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 yeah. So the 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 one director that I always cover. So here's the thing: if you remove all of the toxic people from the things that you like, you will no longer have things that you like. Mm. Uh, which, like, it's systemic. The problem is systemic, and it needs to be rooted out. It's it's you know the power structures between the producers and the directors or whoever. Like, that stuff needs to be addressed, and it wasn't addressed back then, and it's only just being addressed now. So, like, you have, if, if we're throwing everything out, you have to address the entire history of cinema slash art slash whatever. But uh, as far as uh, specific examples for me, the, the one that I always go back to is Roman Polanski. Mm. Yikes. I love his movies, his early work. I haven't really seen anything beyond like the 1980s, but like Chinatown, Knife in the Water, Rosemary's Babies, three of some of the greatest movies ever made. Like Chinatown, like yeah. like top 10 movie, Rosemary's ba- Baby, like yeah. one of the best horror movies ever made. He did a bad thing. He should have, his career should have ended when he did the bad thing. Yeah. And it didn't. He fled the country. He went to France. They kept letting him make movies. People continued to choose to work with him to make movies. And like, yeah, okay, so you like, okay, so you make The Pianist. It's a great movie. But you shouldn't have been allowed to make that. Is The Pianist because, a great movie? I think that, I don't, like, like, it, it's, it's held in high regard, but like, I, I don't know if like... I think of that movie as pub- a movie where Adrian Brody just looks really tired for two hours. Like, I'm not like... I want... I am not... This is... I'm not, I'm not trying to belittle like what is a harrowing tale about one of the worst moments in human existence, but I just... I do not get what the big deal about that film was. Well, it's 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 art. No, it's not. It Capital. looks like no, Adrian man. Brody took a, a sculpting class and got a little too aggressive with the wheel in certain scenes. He's got clay on his shirt, and then he takes a nap. I mean, in the middle of the movie. <laughs> Is it too far? I, too much? Anyway. Yeah. Uh, so, like, like, in my head, I'm like, well, so how do you reconcile that? And it's like... To me, one, it's easier because he's a director. You don't see him in the movie. Two, these movies were made before the bad thing happened. Mm. So, like, to me, it's like... I can enjoy these movies, even though there's still that little thing in my head going, like, God, why did he have to do that? Uh, But I feel like he never had that moment where he could atone for his sins he just kept acting like they never happened yeah so to me everything post that is tarnished um 
I don't know. Like, it's it's weird. Like, doing the mental gymnastics of going, well, this person is bad, but they make a thing I like. Um, and again, like, this ultimately comes back to what we were talking about earlier. A lot of it's it's entertainment. You don't need... Yeah, nobody it. is making you watch Rosemary's right. Baby. Right. Um... So yeah, I don't know. Like that that's it's 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 a tough question because there's no good answer either way. Do you throw away someone's art that they've made right. because they do something bad 20 years after they make it, 10 years after they make it, or you find out that they're actually like a terrible person or their politics are awful or like Ender's Game, I mean like that the book yeah, the politics of Ender's Game are pretty crappy too, but it's it's really it's a well written book. Speak, it was very formative for a lot of people. Speaker for up. the Dead, man. Speaker for the yeah. Dead is one of the best books I've ever read, and I don't think I'll ever be able to read it again and enjoy it. Like, yeah, that's gone. So, I I don't know. I feel like it, it's one of those things that you really do have to wrestle with on a case by case basis. Yeah. Um, and one person's acceptance of that art is going to be different than someone else, like someone else who has a history of sexual abuse, like like so, who has been abused. Be like, no, fuck Roman Polanski. Like, who gives a shit about Chinatown? It's a dumb movie with Jack Nicholson anyway. Like, and their opinion and their take on that isn't less valid than my opinion just because I like the movie. Yeah. So um, I don't know. It's tricky. Uh, I just think that it's one of those things that's like, well, now that we're talking about it, we need to deal with it to make sure that it doesn't happen again. That people like Roman Polanski don't get to keep making things if they do really heinous shit. Yeah. Yeah. Like Harvey, like Harvey Weinstein, like no. responsible for producing so many amazing movies, but he's like the biggest piece of shit on the planet. Like, I don't know. Yeah, Harvey Weinstein... <laughs> On the bright side, Harvey Weinstein was just a, like, he was a businessman, you know? Yeah. He wasn't right, the person right. making things. You know, uh, nobody, <laughs> I don't know why it's the first one that popped in my head. The most, the, <laughs> the, the of all the movies that Harvey Weinstein was involved with, why don't I pick the one whose sociosexual politics are the most fucked? I was about to be like, you know, you can still enjoy Chasing Amy. Don't Ugh. you can't enjoy chasing Amy. No. I'm sorry, everybody. That's a terrible movie. <laughs> this is a true story. Uh, I'm sure everybody was will be surprised that I loved Kevin Smith's early films as a teenager in the mid '90s. Um, I'm sure that's very shocking, but I was like in love with Chasing Amy when I was 16. I thought it was an amazing film about adults. I was very young. <laughs> Anyway, I made my father watch Chasing Amy with Oh, me. no. And we get to the end. <laughs> and I'm like, isn't that movie great? And he just looks at me in the face and he goes, you're an idiot. And walks out of the room. <laughs> just A plus parenting. Straight yeah. out of the room. I was like, he just doesn't get it, man. <laughs> Shit. Uh... Susan, how do you how do you approach these situations? It's the ones where I have not uh, seen or read or whatever. I have not engaged with the person's art before I find out about them are easy. Yeah, totally. I hadn't read 
Ender's Game. I had not read any of Orson Scott Card. Yeah. Uh, before I found out what kind of human being what he was. So that was easy. It's the Kevin Spacey that kills me. Oh, man. That's yeah. an awful one. Yeah. He's, he's, he's an incredible actor. He was one of my favorite actors. He's, he's so talented. And he's hurt so many people. In in a in a way that will impact the rest of their lives. Yep. And I will never ever ever be able to watch a movie with him in it and not think of that. Yeah. Which sucks. But uh, you know, so like Christian Bale flipping out on set. I feel like that's a human thing. Um, but then I also have to counter that with Jeffrey Tambor, who regularly harangues his co-stars and is just a, just feels like he has free license to be horrible because he's the star. He did this both on uh, uh, Transparent. Oh, thank you, Transparent and Arrested Development. It's it's really hard. I it, it it's got to be about what it is they did mm-hmm. for me personally yeah no um, I, I think that makes complete sense and and how i feel like that impacts the world mm. right mm. like christian bale loses his temper on set and yells at a grip it's a mean thing to do you will go through your life and people will do mean things like that yeah you get over it does it mean he's a, you know he's somebody i would want my daughter to date Mm, mm, mm. sure but kate's a big fan of newsies i don't think i have a chance whereas like somebody like a jeffrey like because because ev- everybody has the ability to lose their temper and just go off right whereas a behavior like a jeffrey tambor that has an entitlement that goes with it that has a i'm an allowed to treat you like this yeah I'm a, this is part of my process, and if it's if you don't like it, that's too bad because I'm well, me. Right. And, and it, that, I, I can't. And, like, not just that with the rest of development, but it was that interview where all of the other dudes in that interview were enabling him. Yep. And exactly. Like, exactly. Like, I can't, like, I, I haven't, Arrested Development was one of my favorite shows growing up. And I can't watch seasons like this impossible thing that shouldn't exist that people have been begging for for years. I have zero desire to watch it. Yeah, yeah. it's unfortunate. It's re- I, I mean, it's I, I mentioned him earlier, Doug Tenapel. Like I, yeah, I was never an Earthworm Jim guy. I'm not. I'm not one of those people who thought Earthworm Jim was you know a, a life changing experience. But the Neverhood and Skull Monkeys are. I, I love those games. I think they're yeah. amazing, amazing things. And when I can't remember, I can't, this is how much I just pushed it out of my mind when his studio made what was essentially a new Neverhood a couple of years ago called like Amerigrock or uh, something. Amerikrog. Amerikrog. Oh, Americ. Yeah, 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 right. I I needed to push it out of my head so much that I can't even remember the name of the game because... I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna play something. I'm not going to subsidize a human being who who thinks that 
anyone who's homosexual is less than human. You're yeah, exactly. And that's you think that you're a bad person? <laughs> like I'm, whether or not uh, I support the art the person does in some way uh, is impacted by is this putting money in their pocket? Right. 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 Yeah. So I, no, I am not going to financially benefit you for being a horrible human being. One of my favorite horror movies, absolute favorites, Jeepers Creepers. Great movie. Is Jeepers Creepers good? Really? It is actually. It's re- it's really good. No shit. I always I just always considered it like I always considered it sort of a no no it's good huh. And I tweeted about it. it was it was on Sci Fi one day and I tweeted about it. And uh, several people like, but you, you know about the director, right? I'm like, no, actually, I don't. Pedophile. Oh, dear. Oh, God. Hardcore pedophile. So, great. Now I can't watch that anymore because, no, he should be erased from the face of the earth. Gross. Ugh. Yeah. See, on the other hand, Smashing Pumpkins remains one of my favorite bands in all of history, and I still listen to their music regularly, even though Billy Corgan is a lunatic. <laughs> lost his mind i think oh he's he's a crazy person he's yeah like he he's but the other thing is is if you read anything from anyone who's known him for the past 30 years he went bye-bye a long 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 time ago yeah but like is he i I don't know this uh is he is he nuts in a in a biological way no no yeah uh but also in a horrible human way in a, a horrible human way it's like that's the thing it's so borderline for me like he's like one of these like info wars i was just gonna say he's he's appeared on info wars before to talk about the the loony liberal left no no he was specifically he was specifically on info wars to talk about mind control Oh. oh right and so, like, he's not sitting there talking about, like, he's not like a James Woods, you know? He's not, right, right. he's not a monster. He's just, like... He, it, it sounds like he may... He's a chemtrails guy. He's a chemtrails guy. He's a kook okay. who keeps yeah. bad company. And I can yeah. sit there and say, you know what, Billy, you're not hurting anybody. <laughs> I don't like that you're legitimizing this monster, by yeah. associating with them briefly. But at like the exact same time, I sit there and he'll go in an interview and say, I'm playing the heel. And he was on InfoWars when he had just invested in a wrestling organization. So, yeah, exactly. Wow. So okay. the question is, is, is this a... Is this a bit? Is this a bit? Is he is just... Shoot? Is he a kook who's doing a bit? Right. And the answer is like no, he just lives in his own world, and he has Oprah money, and mm-hmm. <laughs> uses the Oprah money to be a kook. And it's I can look past that. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, there's there's being a kook. There's there's having inhuman views, mm-hmm. and then there's the impact of that. Right, 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 like, right, right. What are what are you? doing yeah with that information what are you doing with that influence what are you doing based on those beliefs yeah that's a big part of it like you know if if tom hanks might be racist 
as as hell. Oh, Tom Hanks runs a dog fighting ring. That's true. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, he That's... runs a dog fighting ring, and <laughs> he smuggles parrots out of South America. And uh, every morning, Tom Hanks wakes up. He snorts a line of powderized rhino horn. This is yes, all true facts on it's Continue fact. Podcast. But like, so long as he's not using his massive influence to do anything about all of these horrible things that he does none of this is true you know who cares then yeah like he's just like any other person out there who believes or horrible things right right yeah uh i think the short version is everybody should absolutely watch star trek season three spock's brain i think it's the second episode it's goddamn amazing. <laughs> it's, don't don't do that. Uh, yeah, don't do that. Everybody, we will be back in one week with another episode. Before we go, Dave, why don't you thank the wonderful people who made this happen by going to patreon.com slash continue podcast. Yes, we recognize the irony of talking about Star Trek for so long and then going into separating arts from artists because Gene Roddenberry was a horrible person. Jim Roddenberry, not Bad a great man. guy. <laughs> Bad man. Yeah. Uh, yes, uh, so uh, special shout out here to our Patreon backers. Um, we got Mirko Rico Terreno. Oh, mouse is moving around. Ryan Brady, John, Nick Grugan, Double Taco, Yaddle, Gluttony One of Seven, Peter, Ryan Mance, Matthew Peters, Michael Coffey, Chris Stubbs, Flunky, the best squirrel you know. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, Thierry Belair, Eric Van Quill, Olmec, the Fancy Manatee, Denton Brock, Elio Dare, Logan Pauly, Ludwig Kitzman, Stormshot, Francisco Arreas Guimaraes, Kayla Houston, Axel Olsen Mangholt, Tyler Nilsson, Shane Nilsson, Fossey Sayan, Jacob Christos, Chris Cook, Skip Dippity, Tim Chesson, Jose Bullibabam Cordova, Daniel Squire, Tom. Derek Sanskrit and Damian Michalese. Thank you I'm, all so much. I'm gonna I'm gonna give uh, some homework to y'all. <coughs> oh, could you introduce our podcast to one lady friend? Yes, each, please. Please do that. As much as I I, I support, uh, I, I genuinely, truly, sincerely appreciate your support. I, that that list was a lot of dudes, and I would I would really love to uh get our podcast out to more ladies yeah yeah hell yeah uh if you have a a sister or a mom or a friend or a anyone please get 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 them listen to this please um and encourage them to go to patreon.com slash continue podcast a place that i already said the name of but i'm saying it again consider uh giving us a donation so that we can continue to do this and do it even better. Um, if you leave us a review on iTunes, which is a thing that helps us enormously, uh, for those of you who introduce this show to one woman, please also consider reviewing us on iTunes. And if you do that, you will be entered into a drawing to win a video game. Uh, yes. Dave, who gets, oh, a, no. who gets a video game? I forgot to get up the random number generator. Oh, no! Oh, please. no, it's fine. It's like it's a website. Yeah. Uh, it's just got to load. Uh, Let's hit the number. There we go. And pulling that number out of a hat. And we got 
Uh, Kay Keegan, thank you for leaving us a review on iTunes. Hit me up. Uh, I have a couple uh, running low on PS4 codes, but I got a bunch of Steam codes. Uh, so hit me up, and we'll get you a free game either on Twitter, uh, at ContinuePod, or email me at info at ContinuePod.com. Awesome. Thank you for the review, Kate. Uh, and... Susan, where can the people find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter, at Susan Arndt, or uh, every week on Pocket Gamer, where I tell you about uh, fun mobile games, either on mobile on the phone or on the Switch. Dave, where can the folks find you? <laughs> on Twitter, at David Robots. It's my online... My, that's where I hang out on the information superhighway. Yeah. Information superhighway. That's where I do my uh, like hot deck action. I don't know cyberpunk <laughs> words. Jacking into the mainframe. Jack into the mainframe. More homework. Go watch hackers. Oh god, go watch hackers and just imagine. Yeah. A yeah, go, time. go watch sneakers. That's a good sneakers movie. Sneakers is an is actually good movie. Film. Yeah. God, yeah. River Phoenix. Uh, so that movie's amazing. You guys can follow me at a John Agnello on Twitter, and if you go there, there is a a fifty percent chance you're gonna hear about what it's like to beat a game while drinking absinthe. It's just gonna it's just <laughs> gonna, gonna keep happen. happening. I got some time on my hands, y'all. It's just gonna happen. All right, everybody, we'll see you in a week. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye. Yeah. Bye bye. Goodbye. <laughs>